This is the Traxxas Sector Warcast, a podcast about Warhammer 40k Conquest, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. Your hosts are Tobin Lopez, John King, and Carl Anderton. Episode 5, Doom. Doom. Doom! Welcome, folks. This is uh, episode 5, numero cinco of the Traxxas Sector Warcast. My name is Tobin Lopez. I'm John King. And I'm Carl Anderson. This is our Valentine's Day episode. To celebrate our love of this game, we're going to share the card that we love from the Gift of Ethereals. We also continue our How to Beat Him this episode with Eldoroth. We share our continued discovery of the 40k universe, the wonderful lore, and on she is here. We'll give our thoughts on the, th- on the third war pack. So, all right, so uh, we all have, we're all married. We all have that, that <laughs> precious uh, significant other, that spouse that we, we all desire and love. Um, I have the uh, benefit of not having to, sa- to to do anything special for Valentine's Day. I do. We do. We basically think we do things special for each other, each other, all year long. So I get. I don't have to buy flowers. Sometimes I do, but uh, you still uh, should. So uh, sometimes I, I go back and forth. I go back and forth on that. But I, I try to surprise her n- n- nonetheless. I have an anniversary that matches with Valentine's Day. So oh really? Oh, every, congratulations, every man! Every year, congratulations. So not double. quite on, not quite on, but close enough. <laughs> so doubles I, down. I have, I, have, um, I have enough problems as it is this time of the year. So, uh, <laughs> and Carl, you're feeling a little under the weather, so um, <clears throat> you may, you may hear. Uh, uh, something from coming from Carl's side of the table. Say, a <laughs> squeak we is a, is a likely one. <laughs> um, but okay, so um, here it is. What to celebrate our love for the game? I figured we'd do this. This this thing. What was the card? Love at first sight. Out of the gift of Ethereals instead of a Valentine's Day gift. It's the gift of the Ethereals. Which one? <laughs> uh, and I'm not. I'm not going to volunteer mine first. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start out. I've, I'm. It's a hard one to pick, to be honest. I mean, first of all, I looked at Onshi, and I looked at Onshi properly for the first time like a couple of weeks back and went, ooh, this is very different. This is very cool looking. This is a um, a useful ability hidden away in a requirement. You know, I have to, I have to, he has to run away from fights, but that can all be used very ke- cleverly and, you know, an armor bane. I mean, yeah, yeah, having yeah, an armor yeah, bane yeah, is yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, what absolutely made me die laughing when I looked at this was a, f- a few days before John had said, you know, can, is modern faction viable? And we sat there and discussed all this and gone like, gone, you know, well, we're not sure we need this, and you're restricting your card pool, and you want these good units, and I go, Tau units, armor bane. <laughs> and built a deck, and it was all Tau. Yeah. <laughs> on the spot. Yeah, and, you know, and on I've, the spot. And I've, uh, I've run into a couple of them myself that's just all Tau. Yeah. You know, I, I do like, think there's wow, there's, there's no way to get around this. Yeah. I can't, there's nothing yeah. I have. I, you're all, it's all armor bane. Yeah. There's an interesting conversation to have there. I'm sure we'll get to it later. But yeah, I'd say I looked at it and went, oh, okay. Question answered there. Um, <laughs> but other than the Warlord, I would say in the same vein, it's Kaion Strike. Kaion Strike, whatever that, that is. That card. Pull, is all it, the, pull all the ethereals from Ed Is Timberland. that from Gift? Um, could have sworn it was. Oh, no. I thought, I thought it was before Gift. I thought it was in um, the previous pack, in Ooh, Kugoth's pack. Right. I may be entirely mixed up Which there. you went, oh, okay, this will make more sense when when Armor Bane is then on she's out. And I don't have my phone to check. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so Kaiyun Strike. Okay, so if Kaiyun so Kai Strike, that's a good one. And I've played on she a couple of times, and frankly, that's almost a required card. Without any doubt, because because of that force reaction, I I must leave. Uh, I've played on she twice or three times, and when I don't see that card played, I win because I basically just outlast the units that are there. The units mm-hmm. attack and move, and then I take four. Yeah, or maybe I die, but I have that one last unit there. <laughs> Who wins the planet, right? I haven't got to play this deck yet. It's driving me crazy being being sick and all. But yeah. um, I'm wondering, is this kind of like um, Furious Sicarius? It's not always going to turn up, but you have to go, uh, is it? Am I, am, I, am I waiting for it? Am I, am I accounting for it against a Tau player? Against an on chi player? Well, I think I think it will, with, with Strike, I think it will show up. There's three of them, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Fury, there's only two. There's three in, There's three of the Kaiyun Strike because it's an expansion card. It's... 
I don't know mm. if it's loyal or not. I don't believe so. I don't think so. Um, it's it's pseudo loyal, right? Where it only works with ethereals, yeah. anyways, right? So that's a so that could be a bit of a challenge. But when it does appear, when it did appear, the, that third game, oh boy, that was rough because what he what the the my opponent did was he he held back, didn't attack with Anshi, attack with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So they all have armor brains, so they're killing, but they're leaving, and then he finally attacks with Anshi, and then he strikes and he moves three units back, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I'm like, uh oh. Everybody's died, and now they're back. Right. I think it leads to an interesting one so, as well. You, you used very cleverly. I can see you running more than one battle, throwing the warlord out, throwing him to a second one, and being like, "Oh, holy cow!" You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, You're right. You're right. Possible. You can hold the, hold can the move it all over. Out. Yeah, hold the ethereals out. Bounce back in. So, <laughs> um, so we have, um, so my favorite card from Gift of the Ethereals. And, and more or less because it disrupts the, t- the timing that we've learned over the last few months, right? Which is Rotten Plague Bearers. The two-cost Chaos Army unit, 0-2 with one command icon. He's a daemon, Nurgle, and as an action, exhaust this unit to deal one damage to a target unit at that planet, right? At this planet. So you put the Plague Bearers out. It's a 0-2... Yes, yes, he costs two, so it's, the cost is a bit high, but he's a daemon, so in theory you could reduce it with a cult of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But um, you get to do a damage. You exhaust, but you get to do a damage during the deploy phase, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you put your guy there? Okay, I'll just go ahead and play him one turn, and then the following deploy turn you have, you take an action to kill the rogue trader or the void pirate, or you can do it... Even not during the deploy phase, you can do it and ping, 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 you know, and exhaust some people. So uh, I like that. The the picture is amazingly disturbing, Um, uh, but it's thematically it's cool because, you know, they're basically, you know, getting stuff all over you and you're slowly decaying, right? You're slowly being poisoned. Uh, But that was my favorite. Yeah, it's one of my my favorites too. Um, I, I like playing that. As a counter again to, like you said, the rogue pirates and the rogue, uh, I'm sorry, the void pirates and the rogue traders. And usually when I will kill them is just before the HQ phase. Because so I'll take an action during the combat phase and use that then to kill, kill those creatures off so that then when you uh, unexhaust in the HQ phase, then you win the command next turn. It's, it's my counter to, the, to everybody playing the command out at the other different planets. Okay. Yeah. And um, if you do wait for the combat phase, Zaratha. Yeah, Zaratha. Yeah. yeah. Oh tap. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Exhaust for two is scary. Absolutely. <laughs> and you wait till the combat phase because Zaratha is around, and you just say, "Oh, by the way, take two. Um, that's yeah. So Kaijun <laughs> Strike is a one-cost event, right? But and it is from. Shield. But it is from. It is two shields. Yeah. It is two shield. Um, but it's from the. Uh, Second one, Kugoth's pack. Beg pardon, me being That's all right. That's all right. Me being behind, and it is loyal to to the to the top. Oh, there it is loyal. Okay, so I got everything wrong about okay. it. Okay. I knew it was two sheets. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next time we'll expect a gift of Ethereal's favorite from you. Oh, uh, not she? this time. On on she? All right. She, I still think he's going <laughs> to be hilarious. And I'm only going to get now. We've seen a couple of the previews. Only going to get nastier. I think. Yeah, yeah. The battle suits and thingy coming up. The, I haven't uh, seen those. Oh, you haven't seen those? Bounce suit the drone. Ooh. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. He de- he definitely um, changes your play style. Um, I think you know each warlord obviously has a particular play style. Some of them were very combat heavy. Some were like oh a little bit more control. But the fact that he retreats, mm-hmm. you know, geez, yeah, you're not going to hit him very much, right? You're not you're, you're not going to hit him. So so yeah, I mean not only well I, I think it even plays changes the play style of how you play him. Because you know, like your unit is retreating, so you're not going to be able to win the command phase there, just with the warlord. You're going to have to have extra units. It, it puts me in mind of the most interesting IDs across other games as well that we're starting to see now. It just this is the first one I think that's come into conquest, where you do look at the table and go, okay, all the normal assumptions you made about how I'm going to lay this out, don't expect to waste right. time. It's, go, it's going right. has to be different. I'm being forced to play differently. Right. And I saw something somewhere about exhausting him. I can't remember exactly what, some combo about exhausting him beforehand for some sort of trigger, I forget exactly what, but the point being that then 
cool, he doesn't strike this round, then you get two rounds of armor bane. Because oh right, right. Oh, so resets, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Matter of fact, I think I, I've heard uh, a couple of the podcasts and, and somebody else po- and a couple posts where, as those cards come out, where if you're able to uh, exhaust your warlord, where normally it's a bad thing. Yeah, right, you're, exhaust, mm-hmm. you're exhausting your warlord, and then and you're and you are uh, vulnerable because obviously then your warlord can't retreat. But if you're able to exhaust your warlord, especially for having better benefits, then uh, you know having two rounds of armor bane is going to be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, that's true. It's true. And then the counter to that, I guess, the balancing of that is yes, you exhaust him, but then. Whereas he hasn't been a target before because he's very much he's he's been retreating. Now you you exhaust him, and he can take the brunt of and you bet anybody who doesn't go directly after him is insane, right? Because more than likely you have other units that are also retreating as they attack. So you so he's there, and his units are attacking and retreating. So he's leaving himself kind of out in the open. You know, even even more so than a no- typical warlord might be. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you definitely you, have you. You go after him with all the tea in China, right? You yes. just whoa, we're just gonna. But then again, that's an interesting. All, all the ammo in the universe. You know, that's that's where I think uh, some of the fun play comes <laughs> in. Is what in that situation as the on she play? Then what have you put on the table to say, cool, you're going after the warlord? You sure about that? Right, you right. Know, you know, that's where it gets interesting. What if what have you put down that is far more of a threat? Right, and the cards that. The cards that, and I don't know if there's much of these in the Tau, uh, in the, in the Tau library, right, in the Tau pool, but the cards that don't aren't shields, mm-hmm. right? But they prevent they they prevent damage because armor bane only disallows the playing of shields while the, while that person is attacking, right? So. If you attack, if you attack and use area effect instead, the area effect is not armor bane, right? Because you are not attacking; you are instead choosing to use your area effect. So, uh, yeah, isn't that, yeah, okay. yeah. Is that isn't that amazing? Like, like, oh, I could use armor bane and maybe kill one guy, or I could use area effect and have people maybe shield stuff. So that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, the trade out there, of course, play. is you you know who's who's going to have the cards to shield two, three, four, five units. You know, right, fair, right, right. That's a fair trade. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. there's gun drones right in there, which is the other big. I'm not going to bother with armor bait. I'm going to do two to everybody. Yep. Which yep. I think is scary. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting because the armor bane would affect anything like that. Any units that had happen to have range, correct? Because yep. they they are still attacking. Yep. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, armor bane from the rule. While a unit with the armor bane keyword is attacking, the opposing player cannot use shield to prevent damage. Oh, okay. So area effect. When the unit with an area effect keyword would declare its attacking against the defender, it may deal damage equal to its area effect to each enemy unit instead of declaring the attack. Doesn't okay. The attack. Yes. So it, so armor bane and area effect do not work together. That's an interesting call. So is a an area effect unit not attacking? Correct. Interesting. It is That's not attacking. Like. It has an opportunity to attack and instead may trigger at the area effect. That's very interesting. Right? Which is why Indomitable Mm -hmm. doesn't work against area effect because it's... Not dealt from an attack. Not dealt from an attack. That's why area effect hits Librarian because it's not targeted. Mm -hmm. So, these kinds of things. Um, Hmm. So, your, your favorite was... Have we talked about your favorite yet? No, not yet. How, how do I pick? How do I pick? There are so many cards out of here, but I'm going to have to say my absolute favorite is the Nurgling Bomb. Can I, can I just cut you off here one second? I have to get this in here. I have to get this in. I saw, I, I saw the artwork for this before I registered anything else on this card, and I thought to myself, this could not have been a more perfect visual representation of Nurgling Bomb unless there was a Nurgling holding a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it is fantastic. And <laughs> and I avoided, I as we recorded the last podcast, we, Gift of the Ethereals was uh, you know in the air, coming to the stores, and so on and so forth. And, and I really tried to avoid spoilers. Right, I really tried. For the first time, we've been playing Netrunner since day one, and I really said, you know what, I, I've... I've seen enough of the tea spoilers from FFG and other other sources. I'm not going to look at the full spoilers. I want to open up these packs. 
And I saw that one, and I went, oh, my God, John King. Holy crap. Oh, wow. I wonder what you're going to do when you see this. <laughs> Squeed. Yay. It was awesome. So, so uh, just that feeling alone, being able to see the card, feel the card, do that, instead of seeing it as words on the screen or an image on the screen, much better. So I think I'm going to take that tack for for the game from I, now I, on. I do think we have all been spoiled by spoilers, there's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, more, the more, I mean, that's the same thing. This is one of the few games where I, I haven't seen many things, and you crack the card, you know, you're going through, you're going... Yeah, not to say I don't want to. See, I, I want to see spoilers. I'd like to see. You know, it's not bad to see about half of any one pack. Mm-hmm. But then once once that pack is right here, right, like right there, you're about to get it in your own hands. I'm like, okay, now now shut down. Now let's let's mm-hmm. let's let's close it off, and I want to see what happens. So all okay, right, Nurgling Bomb. So Nurgling Bomb. It's a three cost chaos event. Uh, you can shield for one. It's a tactic. Nurgle, combat action. Target a planet. For each non-Nurgle unit at that planet, its controller must choose either to deal one damage to it or route it. And it's not loyal. It's not loyal. It isn't. It isn't. And I, I, as you're reading that, I realized it's a Nurgle card. That's interesting. Because then any cards that might come out, I don't think there's any right now, that allow you to go searching for a Nurgle card. Or, you know, a, deep, a, a digging card that allows you to go get a Nurgle. That would be one that would... That would work, yeah. yeah it's, it's that would get. That would be new, able to get new keyword, yeah. That would yeah. be a, a big, a big piece of glue for a, a Nurgle heavy heavy deck, right? right. You know, and we, we the Dark Eldar card. I've because of the forthcoming Dark Eldar Warlord, who is triggered by tortures, right? Mm-hmm. He plays tortures for one less. I think he's been spoiled. Um, so now I've been looking at events, particularly Dark Eldar events, and saying, is that a torture one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's not a torture. Okay, so that's going to cost him one more, mm-hmm. but it's a tactic. So, it'll, so, so, I, I'm I'm starting to really look at the at the details. Yeah, um, the keywords I've I've discovered are are incredible. Um, just because we were talking about Ragnar's War Camp a couple of a couple of podcasts ago, and even I even went ahead and posted on I think the the 40k Facebook page, the the conquest one, because someone was asking if. You know how does the war camp affect Ragnar? Because how can you? It's how can you be uh, with the warlord when you're the, only the warlord? Or I forget I forget how they were saying. But he said English wise, the gist of it seemed like war camp only affected other space wolves units. But that's right. not true. War camp affects space wolves units, and Ragnar's a space wolf. Right. So he gets the benefit of that. Right, and that's one of the things we said in one of those, I think that second podcast, where we're like, oh, and we didn't recognize that Ragnar was a space wolf himself. He you know, the keyword is in a different place on these. Right, but, I mean, but, I, yeah, I, we, we were like, yeah, I would never play this. This is it. But, uh, you know, and we'll... And I forget who pointed that out, saying, no, the war camp affects the space wolf. Mm-hmm. So the keywords are very, very important in this game. So, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting when you see something... Uh, that affects Nurgle units, or you see, or I should say, the Nurgle keyword, um, or you're going to see something that affects the tactic keyword or the cultist keyword, right? Or you know, maneuver keyword. So, mobile. I, yeah. I, I love mobile too. I love how FFG has set that up to make sure that it's not so unambiguous. That and give them give them things. They're going to say, okay, you know, I, I really, I don't think that that is um, an accident. Just with all their experience that they've had with with uh, living card games and able to put this together and say, hey, you know, we're if you're going to have some generalities uh, in these keywords, and some of these keywords may never trigger something. I mean, we've seen, who knows? You may there may never see uh, an event that triggers off Psyker. I would love it if it did. Well, yeah, we've got to, I've got to believe that. Oh, I would, coming, I would right? think, I would know? think that would be coming, but I mean, who knows? You know, obviously, how we playable it is. Who knows? Yeah, we yeah. haven't seen that yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, psyker units right now are. Oh, and <laughs> I got something to talk about when we get to the lore section <laughs> about psychers. Uh, we can say we know FFG. Every time I see a new, a new card from any game of FFG and it has a keyword on it, you're cool. I'll wait. 
something something will trigger off that at some point. Right. So they, they, right. They've never. I mean, it's it's now it's now like suspicion. Obviously, Nurgling bomb is a Nurgle card. According to the forty k setting, it will have the word Nurgle on there somewhere. But it still makes us all of us who are familiar with card games go, yeah, there'll be something that triggers. I mean, there are already things that trigger off Nurgle units. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there will be there there will be something sometime. You know, for that you can, you can almost guarantee, it. even if it's someone just you know cancel cancel a tactic effect like you're saying before, right. or something like that. You know? yeah, so you know, Nurgling bomb, I think it's a wonderful anti weenie horde card. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, you know, because like, okay, great, you have uh, three Chimera tokens. You're either gonna, they're all either going to take one damage or you're going to have to rot them. And <laughs> yeah. when you rot yeah, them yeah. and they're going to come to the next planet, great, I have got my Nurgling there, and they're all going to take one damage when they cut when they move. So. Um, you know, there there were so many others that I, I could have picked. Uh, Ammo Depot out of the Orcs is great as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, the yeah. yeah. scary. I had kind of set that aside, and we talked on the way over here. I, I played in a tournament, and my first opponent had an Ammo Depot. It was the very first card he plays on during his initiative. He plays it. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So then, a couple turns later, he has three cards in his hand. He tap, he exhausts it, right, and. He, Brings another card in his hand. He plays something else. Exhausts the play, plays another ammo depot. So he had two the first turn. So he's then using them. And I'm I'm done with my depot. <laughs> I played my three cards. Right. So and he, he's still going. <laughs> so he he, exa he exhausts the ammo depot as his action. He exhausts the ammo depot. Yep. As his deploy action, he to does that. to draw the card mm -hmm. and then passes you. So he's basically forcing you to say either okay, great, you're going to see exactly what I'm doing here in the deploy phase. Or I'm going to have to pass, and still give you the advantage anyway. Because as soon as that opponent, as soon as your opponent passes, you're like, oh, well, in that case, I'll lay out here and here, and put this planet out here, or put out this planet here. And that's what he did. And you can't and react to that at all. Now, now, I am thankful to some extent that he had, he seemed to be playing a sport heavy deck, so it seemed like he was he was drawing, and he wasn't drawing a lot of units. He was drawing a lot of support. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have a lot to play, so there was that bit I was thankful for. <laughs> I, I want to bring this but up a bit as well because I'd, I'd noticed this. I, I got CMOD properly recently, and you were talking about how the guy had used this. And there's a, a miniatures game I play in where this is a, a big deal. It's called out, out activating, and the whole whole idea of the deploy phase is where you know you basically got a set number of actions. Eventually, you're going to run out of either things or money to do things with, and pass and give the young guy his chance to run free reign. And like you say, ammo depot is an enabler for that. Yeah. Two, two or three of these on the table, and it's like, cool, two or three actions where you can't respond. Right. That's right. horrifying. Right, right, you know, right. Yeah, it's a and, big deal. And you, you chain them correctly, right? Because it's draw, you exhaust it to draw a card if you have three or less cards in your hand. So you have three, you exhaust it to draw one, you play one, you then, the next deploy action, you have one card in your hand, you play Ammo Depot, right? Then you have less than three cards, you exhaust ammo depot so you're just I mean just having one ammo depot gives you the impulse control twice I think that's a big and you, and you, deal and, that's a, and that can be a big deal um, yeah. it can be a real control thing and so I went wow <laughs> which is why we play the game right we, you, you can look at all the cards on the screen as much as you want but until you play until you see somebody using it uh, you may not realize exactly the power of that card so and I thought and I thought on oh, she was going to be absolutely bonkers. Um, he's still bonkers, or she is still bonkers. But because of that retreat, it's not it's not it takes a little bit different approach to being bonkers. <laughs> and I was thankful for that because I was playing some people with Aunt She. So you got a quizzical look on your face. No, I, <laughs> I was paying attention to you. Man. <laughs> okay. Because one of the thing, one of the things that, that really has come out that I keep noticing is all these units that get. A bonus to their attack when at the planet with the enemy warlord. The warlord units. Yeah. That's the oh. warlord cycle. Yep. That's the warlord cycle, right? I That's know, the theme. I know. It threw it threw my math. <laughs> I played your Ragnar deck and it threw my math off. Because oh, yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'll yeah, hit yeah. you for four. How are you hitting me for four? <laughs> yep. Oh well it's because a two -two. Oh no, it's yeah, because yep. uh, you know, the white scar bikers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The white scar bikers, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the White Scar Bikers were when rough. I saw When I saw on she, it was like, oh, the Balkan recruits now are absolutely atrocious because <laughs> it's four damage armor bait. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. That, that, that was definitely one of those, looking back, and well, as always, when, whenever a new car comes out, you're going to reevaluate previous ones, but that was definitely a game of, like, reevaluate everything you've seen involving a Warlord. 
you know, type mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, it's well, you know, and and um, well, this is a bit off topic, but I, I've started to. I had my core set. My I had my core. One of my core parts of my build was Void Pirates and Rogue Traders, but and maybe this is where we move to Elderoth. How to how to beat them on Elderoth, and I had a lot of. I had those guys in Elderoth thing, and I have an Elderoth deck that was did was in a, in a casual environment on game nights. It did really well. I mean, I was winning three out of four, four out of five games. You know, when when uh, I lost it, it was because I had a horrible, horrible like I mulliganed and then I draw into nothing, right? And so th- those I could attribute those to just really bad draws, which are going to happen. But then in the tournament that we had a few weeks ago where down in Denver, it just fell flat, right? It just, there was no comp- competition. And I've thought about that in preparation for today. And the thing that I think, and people online have said Eldroth is kind of hard to plan for. But I think the thing that you do with Eldroth, two, two things, is you shut down card draw. You go after the Eldar survival. You send your warlord to the Eldar survivalist planet. Not only to cancel that resource, additional resource, additional card win, but you go there to kill the Eldar Survivalist, and you go somewhere else, right? You, the times when I've lost is when there's no, there's very little consequence to the Warlord going to that Elder Survivalist planet, which is usually three or four or five, and I'm just trying to put him out there. Oh, forget about him. The main play is on one, two, and three, right? That's where I want you to go. And that when when they went to four or five with the Eldar Survivalist and canceled that bonus, that gumped me, right? Because you're you're paying two for the Eldar Survivalist. It's not a cheap unit. Um, and then the other part that gumped me was when they went to when when I saw the Warlord at the planet with me. That was that was not good, <laughs> right? Because Eldaroth can get a swing in, but he's swinging for one, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he gets the he gets the exhausted unit and. Trust me, when the when the units are exhausted against him, he has a he has one of his signature units is the uh, Starbane's Council, a three cost army, three three with one command icon that gets plus two attack while attacking an exhausted unit. Of course, when coming with Starbane, Starbane's going to exhaust somebody, right? Um, but that isn't a warlord. Um, well, they they got to be already be at the planet, yeah. And then you move Starbane there, exhaust somebody. And then you're able to attack because if they're moving with Starbane, I, I tried playing it, and when you're moving with Starbane, of course you arrive exhausted. You're like, oh, right, right, okay, right, right, great. Right. So then we're all reset for the next round, and I have to wait for you to. Right, no, no, no. When you move with Starbane, yeah, that's that, and then that goes to the Altiox shrine, and maybe this is the reason I was winning a lot is because I seem to draw this one of card, the, the signature card. It's a location for one cost. It's a support reaction after an Eldar unit moves to a planet, exhaust the support to ready that unit. So I seem to draw this a lot in my games, which of course allows me to go with the Starbane's Council to a planet with Star with Eldaroth, tap this, bring the ready the council, and they're ready to attack while somebody's already exhausted. But so so the two things I, I came up with, and you guys might disagree, was really try to deny us those bonuses. Because the El- the the Eldar bonuses are rough. The Eldar survivalist bonus is a good one. So deny that. And then <coughs> kick Starbane's butt. butt. Right. Kick Starbane's butt. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so those are the two things I think I could come up with on how to defeat Eldroth. Um, it's definitely a control game, right? He wants to exhaust you. He wants to send things back. Doom is a big part of the deck. It's a non-loyal uh, Eldar card uh, for event. Each destroy each non-unique unit at each player's HQ. You know doom. that's a big one. Yeah. Fucking doom. <laughs> By the way, warning: there will be explicit language when talking about this faction and doom. <laughs> Fracking doom. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you had to do a bleep yet? <laughs> oh no, I, I too. 
iTunes does qualify this as, an ex- <laughs> as a podcast with some explicit language. <laughs> All thanks to John saying ass in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, America and the world. I mean, I've got no problem. I'm just wondering, you know. Uh, um, we'll, I, will, I, will, I will pick so up on one of the things you said there. The survivalist is interesting. I haven't played against it too much, but I've played it a few times. And I think you make a very good point when you say shut it down. Because first of all, it's, it's a double up. It's yeah. a resource and a card. Yeah. It yeah. mixes those abilities together. However, there's also the side to look at that it's a little more pricey than the Void Pirate and or um, Rogue Trader, which oh, is yeah. another good reason to make... make if, you, if, if the LR player puts it out, you may want to make use of the fact if you can shut it down because you've just taken, you've taken the resource he put into that, the bonus, you know? Yeah. Pushed, pushing that away more. And it happened, and it happened um, several times, and I remember going... Oh no, <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh, that's not good. And all I did, and 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 in the cases where I lost, the, the most recent one, I won the first two planets, but he was able to set up on three, four, and five. Yeah, and the, oh, the, oh, those first three, four, and five, and he just barrel rolled me. I mean, it was just, it was, it was silly because I didn't. He was concentrating on three, four, and five, and that goes to the layout of the planets, right? Make your stand. Maybe with Eldroth, you give up planet one and planet two. And you make your stand starting at three. Well, that's the other thing I was going to mention, looking at what you were talking about here. <clears throat> I think, I'm, I'm looking at what you've shown me here and, and seeing how you, you plan to play the deck, I wonder if Eldoroth is a little more concerned about taking advantage of initiative. I mean, obviously, initiative is good for everybody. But is he, is he one where, when the chance is there to strike, he goes in full guns, all of his tricks, trying to do what damage he can, knowing that in a, a more drawn-out fight, he loses that initial um, bonus of exhausting of getting in with a big unit, so getting in with star and things like that. Uh, so, you know. Yeah, I don't know if... I, I play him with Tau, so I have, you know, the Tau mobility folks in there, and and uh, the marksman, and I have the ion rifle. Um, okay, so you're... But the, the units tend to be fair, with the exception of the Wraith Guard, the Ayandan Wraith Guard, which is a three-cost army, 4-2, that has Armor Bane on his own. It's an Eldar loyal card. With one command unit, um, the Wraith Guard, with the exception of the Wraith Guard, who's weak at two, my impression was that they were fairly tough units. Um, the Wild Rider Squadron has won me more games than than. Um, oh hey, <laughs> it's just, it's that's my second. Thing. That's my second favorite <laughs> card next to fucking Doom. Uh, uh, um, right? Mobile. So, uh. so <laughs> So they, well, no, seen? Wild Rider Squadron isn't mobile, John. <laughs> you get to move as a combat action, remember? Have you seen well, the, that's um, what kills you. That's what it is. Previews <laughs> of the Eldar um, Warlord coming up? Actually, no, I, ha- I have, I've kind of stayed away from uh, the spoilers myself. This is one of the one of the games where I want that... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm, I'm trying to recapture my youth. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. When I first got into card games, uh, Magic Gathering was the big one, obviously. That uh, brought me in. As a matter of fact, that's where I lot met Tobin's, where I met a lot of my friends. And there was no such thing as spoilers, really. Uh, this was, was in '94. There was no such thing as as well. There well, was the internet, but yeah, it was, but not, but not, what's not WWW to the WWW mean? <laughs> yeah, not to the extent at, at uh, to what it was. So so the opening that that cracking open that pack and smelling that new card smell and looking through the card like okay, that's cool, that's cool, and get into that one card like Nurgling Bomb. That makes you have a physical reaction. <laughs> that is just you know, this is it. That, you know, it's it's it, it's it's the choir singing. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, Ave yeah. Maria. It's, it, you just hear that in the background. So I, I've been enjoying that with with uh, the war packs. So that's why I, ha- I haven't looked at the spoilers. Well, I'll well, and, and I have to admit. I've looked at them, but I don't remember which. What I'll, we're I'll, give, about. I'll give you slight forewarning since you had a reaction just now, as it were. Um, there was an Eldar warlord coming up whose only text is mobile. <laughs> yeah. Oh right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, that just I, makes I, me th- very, I think very, very worried indeed. I think right? you're you're spot on, Tobin, with, with how you play Eldaroth in the fact that um, you know I'm going to let you have Planet One and Two. You okay. know, I'm definitely okay. I'm definitely going to let you have Planet One. I might have to let you have Planet Two, but on Planet Three, I'm putting out. Uh, you know the Windrider Squadron, so that if I do have an opportunity to take Planet Two from you because you're not expecting it, because of combat action, I can bring these guys over and smack your exhausted units. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, 
that that's how you play the those wild guys. rider squadron is huge for for that kind of thing right you're like oh i'm losing that battle uh, i'm losing that combat i'm going to bring him over here and and yeah, and I know that you were talking about the uh, the Elder Survivalist as being uh, expensive. I think he's undercosted. I hate that card. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Yeah. Oh, well, he's exactly double of a Void, a void Pirate and a Rogue Trader, right? Because a Rogue Trader and a Pirate are both ones. Right. They're both zero ones, and they both give you one of the other bonuses. One but then and I still think at two cost, he is too cheap. Because he's giving you both a card and a resource, and he's got two lives. So you cannot kill him easily mm-hmm. um, you're just you know, you're wasting a card you don't want to waste a card like a warp storm or a zinch's firestorm no, no, to take no, them out but sometimes you might have to yeah. which pisses me off <laughs> uh, you know I mean that that thing I mean you're putting if you were able to put him down even at the the planet that's only a, a one resource planet right all of a sudden where and I'm an opposing player like okay one resource planet I want to focus my attention on the other ones you've turned a probably the weakest planet into one that's going to give you two resources and a card yeah you have absolutely dictated that I have to go deal with that right. otherwise I'm going to right. lose the game second turn right. I would counter that it takes a single command icon to shut him down and that's the big thing I'm kind of getting at he's He's only one command icon. There's plenty of little. Oh well, one if, if nope, you know, right, I'm, and that's right. why that's why I'm incor- that's why I think in, in taking on Eldorath, you'd be ready to to let him tr- in, as much as you possibly can. Be ready to let him put his survival list out, and then throw a little, a little um, what would normally be a waste of time one icon out just to get rid of that. You know, you to, know, make, to, to mean it's not going to do its job. It's, I, it's a, if you're playing a one cost unit versus this two. It's a it's a it's a good win for you versus what he'll get out of it. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I now the way that I've as as the Eldar player, the mm-hmm. way that I've done that, gone around it is I play I play with um, uh, promotions, right? So oh, the course. very last card you play when you have no resources <laughs> and they think you're done, you mm-hmm. promote your Eldar survivalist and you have no. three. So, but but in that case, I think in that case, the person went. Okay, my warlord is going to the Eldar survivalist. Yeah, not only does he we have a target on him, now person. he's got a siren going yeah. on. By the time you spent two cards on it, yeah. But then again, also you've disrupted the player, the your opponent, because now he has to go deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he has yeah, to take his warlord yeah. to that planet. There's, there, there can be some disruption there, but that first turn, right? That first turn, maybe even the second turn, you're not part of the what I've what I've learned with this game is, especially when there's units in HQ that are going to commit with the warlord. I can make a better guess about where the warlord's going to go when there are units that go with him, right? Because what what are the chances that 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 they're going to take all? Let's say there's three units in HQ with the warlord, so there's four total. What are the chances he's going to go to planet five? Why, right? Slam. And stick all those guys there. Now, granted, there's mechanics in the game that allow those guys to move around. Maybe planet five is the winning planet. With the icons, but what are the chances he goes to Planet Five and commits all his res- all his guys there who he's played out, and they won't be able to impact the game until then? Whereas if it's a lone warlord, anything. I don't know where. Yeah, he could go anywhere, right? He could be thinking anything, and that's what happened with me at the tournament. Is that a couple of times I'm like, I have no idea where you're going. You know, you have a unit, you have two units at these planets, you have one unit at that planet. And you can take, you can send your warlord anywhere. And um, in the second game that I played uh, against a man by the name of Richard, he he, three times, we played three turns, three turns, three turns on the second, on the first and second, I was like, oh, okay, you went there. I had no idea. <laughs> you know, like I was, there was, I had no conception of any kind of guess as to where they're going. If they're if they have units with them, then. Uh, you can make a better guess, right? And especially when when they're when the big battle is going to be at one. Mm-hmm. If they take all those units with them, they're not going to be available for that first round of combat. And then they're going to go back <laughs> if they survive. If they win, they're going to go back, mm-hmm. which would be awesome. Um, well, I think that's so. that's you know Eldar. You know, you're giving up planet one and two. You're letting them letting those units go back to HQ. And then of course, hey, well, doom, doom. <laughs> I, I, is it is it going to be the podcast assumption that this is just that, that we're just going to add the word fucking doom? To the, it's going to be the card name is fucking doom. No, <laughs> or fucking no, doom. No. no, can't title it. Fucking doom. 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 We can have in there. You know. Well, yeah. the the reason why I'm so upset at doom is because whenever Black I have, <laughs> whenever I have played um, 
New Eldar Warlord. <laughs> the Eldar Warlord. No, they're saying uh, New Eldar Warlord. Drakken Foom. And I forget the uh, I forget the unit, but the one that allows you to look at the top six cards of your deck and put uh, a unit into play. Is that is or that is that you talking about the planet or the? No, the no. There, there's an action, and unfortunately, so I, there's I, drop pod from Marines. There's drop like pod, yeah. Elder. No, the one with the one with Eldar, where where you play it, and oh, he looks look, for a drone. He looks, looks for, for a drone. drone. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Earthcast technician. Earthcast technician. Earth cast technician. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts, how it never worked out for me because I would look at the top six, and you know what, the second card was always Doom, <laughs> which would be great, but <laughs> I got to put it at the bottom of my deck now. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and if, so it was just it was just always one well, of those things where Earthcast technician. Is I, I have not had the luck with. Maybe that's why I like uh, orcs and chaos and everything because it's not subtle. <laughs> it's just brutal. I just gotta, you know, and that's a straightforward. Because you're saying, oh, I know where the world is going. I never have a, no, really know where the world is well, going. But then again, I, I think my play style is, I'm not concentrating on that. I'm constant, and maybe that's why I'm so predictable in my play style, obviously, is that I am trying to build a deck where I make, maybe I have some defense against uh, things like uh, Weenie Horde with, with the Chimera. But I am trying to force you to deal with me. That way, then I'm going to take you out of your game. Maybe that, and I, that's probably my play style. Um, it's aggressive, and I've and that's why I walk into those traps. And I've gotten better at not being being aggressive uh, in a a controlled way, if that makes sense. I'm not dropping all the big units I can at once. I will hold back the resources. I will hold back my big units I, because I know that you can't deal with the one that I already have out, so I don't need to have two. Right, right, right. You're directing the flow of play, I think is the word, kind of phrase you're going for. You're saying, this is this is coming up on my terms. I'm making you go quicker or go slower than you might have otherwise done. Mm-hmm. I think there's a whole episode's worth of discussion ready right here. I, I saw a guy online the other day talking about bluffing in this game, and um, I think it's... FFG has recently gone into this kind of area. If we look at if we, you know, the other card game, Netrunner, we play, you can either bluff, and you can rely on bluffing and play with it, or you can go the whole, I'm taking that out of my game and playing a different way. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting argument on both fronts. They're both entirely effective ways of playing the game. And even better if you hit someone who's ready to bluff. You're all, read me. There's nothing to read. You know, I'm not bluffing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just telling you this is how the game's going to go, and if you're not ready for that, you're not going to do well. So that's okay. an interesting okay. argument on both those. Approaches. All right, so so let's put the bed this now. Now, Starbane, I th- I think we can all agree, Starbane is one of the harder uh, because it's such a control deck, because it's a control playstyle. It's hard to say, oh, you know, do this, do that, do the other thing. But I think we're all agreed is you you in some fashion or another deprive them of the Eldar survivalist bonus, right? Um, uh, they have a lot of shield cards. They have Gift of Isha, which is a two-cost event with two shields, which is a power blessing in action. Put the topmost Eldar unit from your discard pile into play at a planet. If that unit is still in play at the end of the phase, discard it. I use this for Starbane's Council, right? Starbane's Council gets targeted very quickly because they hit for five against an exhausted unit, so they get targeted very quickly. And then I bring them back and, and hit them again, right? So... And that's huge. You're going to see that. You're going to see Gift. You're going to see Doom. Well, you might not see Doom because Doom is four. So you might see it in the deck. You might see it played for its shield. But uh, it's it's a hard one to kind of kind of shove in. When it hits, it hits big. Right. right. I think um, when you're hit, you want to hit it. You want to hit an opponent with a Doom when they've got two or three units at their HQ that are traveling with the Warlord. They've won a few planets. And you want to hit them before they win their third planet, right? So, and, and if you're playing an Eldar planet with Eldar Warlord, then you want to stay away from that. As if you know, we want to try to keep your units spread out, right? I, I think that's the big part there. You, know? you said we, we know about Doom, we know about the ability to exhaust unit coming in, we know about the ability of that unit to suddenly die when um, Starbane's Council turns up. I think uh, playing Eldar Wrath, one of the first things you've got to keep in mind is is hedge your bets. Play a little, play a little more conservative than you might have done. Spread things around that reduces okay. the weakness yep. on Doom. It, it leaves leaves the uh, there's no obvious trick the Eldar can pull. 
oh, he's done that. Awesome. Here's a nice little obvious opening because there's nothing here. I'll right. Go, I'll right, go do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think okay. you. Yeah. You know, I mean, playing conservative is generally I find that's normally my kind of deal, but I think that's a, a tactic I would employ more than more than like swarming a planet. Be very Marines. controlled <laughs> instead yeah. of instead of loosely so. Yeah. Well, okay. and with again with uh, like is it bringing in that controlled aggression the the success I have been finding against him is if I've been able to utilize the planet Planum or Plan Planum is uh, and forgive me it's a green and blue planet I don't know I think what are those icons called stronghold and manufacturing yeah it's strong point and yeah strong point and something manufacturing probably both yeah and it, uh, the the resource, uh, the command struggle would give you one card, one planet, but what I find, obviously, is the battle ability. Move a non-warlord unit you control to a planet of your choice. I Being able to have my big unit out and bully the planet one, planet two, and then keeping my warlord basically going to this planet all the time so that when my unit has retreated to HQ... I then move them to the next planet. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not given the opportunity to get off Doom. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, that and plays back to the other argument there of, um, of the Eldar is un- un- the Eldar Warlord is unpredictable. Well, this allows you to to play to that, to react to it, and to be a little more unpredictable yourself. I mean, that's a great um, planet ability, anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, when it hasn't shown up, I, I find I struggle against um, cart uh, decks that are able to move units around, whether they're combat actions, whether they have mobile, whether they have Gift of Isha, something to be able to put something back into play because those are things that I'm not accounted for. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, so one of the next things we want to talk about, we didn't talk about this really last episode, which, which is our, our, our diving and our consumption of the Conquest universe, right? So um, uh, John and I have been reading Gaunt's Ghosts, uh, the Gaunt's Ghost Trilo- the series, and I got to tell you, folks, I've talked to I've talked to various Warhammer folks, and they all say uh, whether they've read Gaunt's Ghost series or not, they all say that's the one to read. That's the best series there. And then if you're going to read, and it's a little bit harder to find, but the Eisenhorn and Ravener books, those are also very good. And the one thing they have in common is they're all written by the same individual by the name of Dan Abnett. Um, and he is uh, he. I know. I think I've said in previous podcasts. I, I came upon Nan through reading comic books, and so when this game came out, and people were talking about Gonskos being something you want to read, and Dan Abnett being one of the authors you want to read, I'm like okay, sure. That 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 those two things coincided. So I started reading Gonskos, and it's it's a kick in the pants. It is so awesome, and they come across through the thirteen books that I've read they've come across Dark Eldar Eldar, Orcs Space Marines, they're obviously it centers on an Imperial Guard unit so IG is there, Astra Militarum as it were um, uh, Chaos is their primary opponent so Chaos is all over the place um, You see some inner workings of the Inquisition, not the Inquisition, I'm sorry the uh, the um Commissariat, yeah, mm-hmm. and then the, the, the Inquisitors come in there as well, um, and then I don't know. I think the one that I haven't seen are the Tau, the Necron, or the Tyranids, right? Which are the factions that are on the wheel. But other than that, I'm it's having really a fairly awesome. encyclopedic knowledge of Abnett stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Tau turn up one time I can think of in the Ravna novels in terms of one of the bad guys they fight has stolen a Tau rifle. And Tyranids turn up um, unnamed in a later Ravner novel as well. Okay. I think Necrons okay. about the only thing that haven't been going to mention in this stuff. Period. Everyone, everyone else has turned up at some point. Right, right, so. right, right. So, but, but the uh, so the Traxxas sector work as the Traxxas sector is the, the a sector created uh, exclusively for the FFGs this game, right? So that was created by Games Workshop, and the Sabat War Worlds Crusade is what. The Gaunt's Ghost series is in, and um, uh, you and John, you and I played Vitesse for a, a long time, and Sabat has another meaning for us <laughs> altogether. But Sabat is is part of this World's Crusade, and I I got to tell you, it's I I just finished reading the thirteenth book. The fourteenth has yet to be published, um, 
and I'm going to probably go through withdrawals. <laughs> I mean, I really am. So And you would you tore through them pretty quick cuz oh, you've yeah. probably been reading oh, yeah. reading st- them for what, a few months? Well, no, I started reading the first book. I had started maybe I was on book 3 of when we went to Worlds. Remember cuz we talked to uh, Jonathan Woolley and he, I said, "Hey, you know, we've, we're reading these books and they're excellent." He's like, "Oh, that's great." So um I remember I was like books three or four. So I started around there and I inhaled the first seven or eight. And, and I had to slow down because the library couldn't get them to me in time. But, you know, I read 13 books in what, three months, uh, including some other stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering that I read for work, that's really, really fast for me. So I guess I should, I should say something about the Gaunt's Ghost novels. That, and one of the reasons I like them particularly is basically. One of the reasons to love them is they're good war film novels. Oh yeah, uh, oh, Abner yeah. basically is writing is writing Definitely. is writing like Band of Brothers in space mm-hmm. to a degree, oh, and that's yeah. why that's why it's so good. Um, and it's it's worth mentioning it. If that's not your deal, then first of all, you're probably playing the wrong card game. <laughs> but, um, but more importantly, keep that in mind. Um, it's worth looking at Eisenhorn and Ravner that you mentioned. If you want a different look, that's a different feel. Eisenhorn is um, Eisenhorn. Listen to me, Eisenhorn. This cold. Um, Eisenhorn is um, is a noir space detective. Yeah, basically. That's how it, that is how he goes, and that is what he is. He's Eisenhorn's noir space detective. Exactly what he is. But it's fantastic because I heard that. Before. Yeah, but he really is. Ravner is the weird one. Ravner is um, a little more kind of. Um, if someone was looking at in at forty k and not knowing what it was about, that's what they'd expect Ravner to be like. It's the absolute best of the best, kicking ass on five five million different planets. Whereas Eisenhorn is still very the gritty, down and dirty. And which which one should you read first? Eisenhorn. Um, Eisenhorn. Ravner is great, but you you need the context of Eisenhorn because okay. Ravner is actually one of Eisen, is Eisenhorn's protege. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I actually started reading the Eisenhorn. Yeah. Uh, series and yeah, I mean, I love the Gons Ghosts, and that's exactly it. it. Those are war films. Eisenhorn, the the setting is uh, in the Imperium itself, and it's he's not on the front battle lines, but he's still uh, he's hunting down heretics, uh, hunting down demons, and yeah, it it's they're both great novels, and they're both so different. If it, that makes sense, it's an, another great <clears throat> another great thing to look at there. Another reason I love Abnett stuff is Abnett was never afraid to go. Here's the preset stuff. Mm, I'm going to embellish it. Well, shall and, we say? And I, le- that, I learned you know. this when I read the the preface to I think the Saint. Mm-hmm. He, he Prometheum mine Prometheum is an abnet creation. Yep, exactly so. Really? Now it turns up in yeah, the main code. Prometheum, and there's a couple of other things in there, but Prometheum was the one that stuck with stuck in my craw. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, there's a couple other things that he created, and they they wrapped into the game. And they've so they've I mean they've even wrapped into this one right so, <clears throat> but it was so I was like all right cool that's awesome because it seems like such a Prometheum in, in and of itself I read a lot of sci-fi and it's th- just the idea of Prometheum is fairly ubiquitous right mm-hmm. but to know that that well, he, he, he inserted perfe- that in and yeah he perfectly grabbed what what you would name that if you were doing it in the Imperium. You know, right. Prometheus stealing fire. It's obviously basically high end gasoline, is what it is. But right. you know, it's like yeah, he he he's great at with a stench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Abnett's got it bang on right with this going to the setting, and going looking at the previous world. His his big skill is looking at this existing world and humanizing it, grabbing it and changing it in ways that we all go, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And then you like you say, you go back and go, wait, that wasn't in the original setting. Wow, he you know he he captures it well. That's right. Yeah. Oh, well, awesome. I love I love you know. There's not there's not generic terms like. Uh, or I, I'm sorry. There's not specific terms, like uh, the when when they're having a cup of caffeine. They're not having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and everything. It's a cup of caffeine. Oh yeah, we heat up a pot of caffeine. Yeah, yeah. So that could be. It's generic enough that it could be anything. But you know exactly what it is. You know, you, it's not necessarily coffee. It's not necessarily tea. It's whatever. It's caffeine. Your, yeah. your back your background is yeah. uh, when they run into uh, a number of local wildlife and they say, oh, it's some kind of ursa. Which is oh great okay now all of a sudden I have a picture it's a bear like creature, right right uh, you know just just great and I always gravitate to some of the uh, minor characters in, in Gaunt's ghosts or Gaunt series is definitely an ensemble I mean Gaunt's the main driving guy but there are lots and lots of characters that uh, he focuses on and one of my favorites you know there there Mad Larkin's always great but I, I like uh, actually I like Broston who. Uh, 
The flamer, the, the flamer, the, the guy that's addicted to <laughs> yeah, flame. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a. <laughs> Promise me, I get to put all this on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so when me. you you mentioned pro, yeah, the Promethium, I was like, oh yeah, the flamer units. How far um, <coughs> in are you yourself, by the way? On Eisenhorn? Uh, on the um, Gaunt's Ghost. Uh, I just finished book eleven. Book eleven, yeah. Okay. So I'm you haven't read um, Blood Pact or, or Salvation's Reach? But you. So I've, I've read so many of these, the, name, the names basically mean nothing by now. They have gone, by this point, they have gone through the big um, special ops being trapped on the planet for years. Yeah, and years. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You've, so you've seen Brostin go through his big character development spree for yeah. three books. Okay, yeah, just wondering. He goes from just the flamer guy into a character. Right. Yeah, you know. No, no, no. The one, the one that he read last was. Um, I don't remember what the one you read last was. But it was the one what in Yago, where they're in the, where they're in the castle. Oh, the mansion. That's the one yes, you the mansion. Right, right. That's yeah, the last one you read. The, the horror story. It's yeah. not. Yes, yeah, 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 Traitor General, Traitor General, yeah. Command. His last command, Arm of Contempt. And then, yeah. What's I, the, why am I drawing a blank on that one? one? Whatever it is. Yeah, I, 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 I've given up. Uh, now it's now it's to me. It's the plot line of each one. I've given up on the names. Well, yeah, because <laughs> the names <laughs> don't. The, uh, besides his last command and Traitor General, especially from those last few. Mm-hmm. And Salvation's Reach is obvious because they go to Salvation's Reach. Um, the 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 titles are not don't necessarily align with the the plot. No, right? Yeah. You no. know, so I I will I'm going to cut in here as well and say since we're on an Abnet spree today, um, one of the things I love about him, like I was saying, is how he's taken bits of the lore and 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 grown them and brought them into closer relief for you. I'm going to drop a recommendation here of the Horus Heresy series. Um, Abnett wrote a number of books through this series. Now, I want to make it clear: this is not the setting you're seeing in the book. This is the um, ten thousand years previous. This is the origin story for the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe. Right. right. So the Marines you're seeing are not the Marines you're familiar with. They're in huge legions. Half of them are going to turn traitor and go to chaos. Right. You know? um, and on that basis, I'd say read um, Horus Rising. Right. You want right. to get an idea of Space Marines in general, and um, and an idea of where the Imperium started. And all this fore- foreshadowing towards the stuff you see now, it is a fantastic book. If you read it with in mind, keeping in mind of what the setting is now, you're reading it and going, oh, it's it's going through, um, it's what Phantom Menace should have been. Okay, but that's like, <laughs> that's good, like, you're going through going, remember, oh, there's, remember there's that Vader Star coming. Wars Hemp- episode yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the movie that doesn't exist? Yeah. This is what it should have yeah. been. There's <laughs> Vader coming, there's Obi-Wan going to do what he does. The whole thing is full of that, and it is brilliant from end to end. I okay. recommend it. That's a great writer when I recommend it. We want to see what Marines are clearly like um, basically before the shift before they, they turn to the um, kind of warrior monk religion of the Emperor. Because the whole thing is completely secular. The, uh, the, emperor, the Emperor, while he's alive, has forbidden him being worshipped. Right. He's this whole deal of, no, I'm not. It's a completely different look. It's fantastic. And, and to watch the slide, the, the change between the two, is excellent. Oh, cool. So, cool. And I mean, I know that we were talking about how much we love Dan Abnett stuff, but I gotta admit, I, I did watch the Ultramarines movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can t- they can see my face here. I was disappointed. I was disappointed. The writing was good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I would actually say, you know, uh, I, I, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I was just disappointed because I don't like, know what to say. You're just yeah. like, well, speechless. well, because I was expecting something different. Um, and you know, here here are these Ultramarines. Obviously, deals with one one of the um, squads, uh, I guess, of, of chapters. chapters, and they're called Ultra. They're the Ultramarines, um, and it was it was interesting in seeing being able to watch that and then see some of the different uh, armor and the coloration and fi- going into some of the some of the lore. Um, I realized, oh wait, okay, so the colors actually do mean. Something different, and so that is that is pretty wild. So, uh, you know, coming back to the card game, um, it it when I saw this one thing, it it really clicked for me uh, for a card called Honored Librarian, right? You know, so now this is obviously um, a Space Marine unit. It's loyal, um, but he's a Psyker and he's an Ultramarine. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, one, the Ultramarine's color is blue. So all the units are blue. So I thought, okay, so that's pretty cool. Uh, on the card, he kind of looks a little purple. Um, and But but then also hearing about some of the ranks that are in the Space Marines, well, the Librarian is actually a rank for the Space Marine, and it is reserved for very, very powerful 
and experienced um, Marines who are, happen to be psychers. Uh, you you can't be a librarian without being a psyker. It's some of the units don't have librarians. To cut in slightly, um, basically, librarian is a um, a section within the chapter, um, specifically for uh, for psychically powerful, psychically um, adept marines. Right. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's um, think in terms of uh, modern modern equivalent. Um, Chaplain or, or intelligence <laughs> or things like that. I mean, yeah, to be fair, yeah. Go, I was taking a serious version, but yeah. Yeah, think think of like the intelligence section or something like that, an intelligence officer, where you're you're not in a normal chain of command. You have a particular job and you're off. Yeah, you're not you're not a grunt. You're not a grunt hall of I mean mm-hmm. you are you are a specialist. And I mean and that's that kind of explains also why he's a four why he hits for four. I mean that's like a that's a closed fist to the face. That's a punch in the groin <laughs> to be to to get oh, hit yeah. for four. Yeah, you know, yeah. so um and but also, all librarians, all their armor's blue. Not whether he's just ultramarine or not. All are, and they all have this open-faced helmet. Um, they all kind of wear this cowl-like thing. They right, said, right, and right. I, maybe that's because they need line of sight for their psychic abilities it's, or something um, like that. It's a focusing and a control device. Almost every psyche you'll see will have some kind of implants or something that generally helps them keep things in control and direct. And direct, okay, so so yeah. I mean that explains the artwork on this card it, so. so well because you look at it and you see the guy and you see his face. And you're like, wait a minute, all the other Marines are having these full, these full, ar- fully armored helmets, and here you see this face and his eyes are are filled with the color of the warp, and he's got this glowing hand. You can see all this energy coalescing about him. I mean, it's one of my favorite pieces of artwork. And that's a really interesting comment to hear, hear from from my viewpoint. If anyone else listening is a regular Games Workshop and 40k player. I never considered it because that to me is a librarian. Uh, I picked it up right. and went, "Oh, cool! Exactly what I expected to see." Whereas you guys coming into the law, newer, going, "Hey, this is really cool, interesting, and why is he wearing that?" Whereas to me, the question doesn't arise yeah. because that's what, for the last ten, fifteen years, to me, a librarian looked like. Right, part of your model of the universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. one of the characters in the Ultramarines movie, his armor is all white. Well, he's the meta guy, the apothecary. Apothecary. Thank you. No um, and all the apoc- apothecaries. Are, are in white armor. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them might they might have one shoulder pad uh, with the, their company color, which is yeah. in different colors from. Yeah. So, but but they're all white. So so that you know, and they all have this thing on their on their arm. And I I I, I had all this stuff, and I left my notes at home. Not for see them. Thank you. No problem. So <laughs> this thing is is when a when a space marine is killed or wounded too badly that he is not going to survive. This thing is to help recover the gene seed. Of the space marine, <laughs> so basically, before we get this, before we get the Snickers, it's it's a particular organ that is implanted into the body that um, controls and enables most of the changes that turn a human into a space marine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you take the space seed out, so he removes the space yeah, seed. Yeah, but think of it, think so of the, it as so the, an implant organ. Yeah, yeah this so is the, the important because it's going to get implanted into another marine. Another, another somebody else who's going to become a marine. Oh, uh, okay. All yeah. right. So, so they harvest that stuff. So I was like, wow. I mean, you know, the lore of this game is immense. But I, as a new guy, I love the fact that as I'm just seeing, just scratching the surface, seeing all these things, all of a sudden I realize why some of the artwork is what it is, what it is, yeah, and that's cool, phenomenal. That's that's fun cool. to see. Like I said, that's interesting for me to, to see because I don't I don't have that perspective. I'm not seeing anything in here that surprises me because everything is familiar to me. Right, I've, I've, had, I've had my surprise before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is you know, carrying uh, strike. That's a sunshine bomber. Oh, okay. It's on the wall over okay. there. I can go okay. show you one. You know, and again, you guys are like, what's this plane in the background? The heck's this? You know, yeah, that's a, that's a Sun Shark Tau bomber oh, because okay. it's a carry on strike and it's dropping. Yeah, you know, an- another another uh, Space Marine, another Ultramarine card, Tactical Squad Cardanus. Well, uh, Cardanus is um, a planet that is near the Eye of Terror, and because they're so close to the Eye of Terror, they basically are just they they even even the people who don't become Space Marines. They have an incredible standing military tradition. They're almost like, if you even want to think about, in my mind, it, it to me thought of I thought of Sparta, where yes, there's the elite warriors, but even everybody fights. Everybody can fight. The cities on the planet uh, they had been, you know, obviously designed to be oh, have wide avenues, big brick um, for for a normal city layout. And the fact that chaos would invade and just wipe these cities off the planet. Well, when they rebuilt, they basically rebuilt these cities as with all kinds of defensive measures in in, in mind. All the cities are are narrow. All the cities go back and forth in a in a 
if you look at it from above, you'd see all these zigzags. zigzags. Yeah. You all the roofs are armored. So yeah. You're referring to Cardia. Okay. Cardia. Um, I don't think that name has any connection to it, I'm afraid. Oh, but, really? But you're with the place. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you're okay. Well, okay, so Cardia is on the other side of the galaxy. There, there's an there's a Astro Militarum card. Yes, there is indeed. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, um, so, a, I, a I, so I was drawing, uh, drawing a different... Uh, Cardia are basically in between, somewhere in between back to the, the my whole Latin. World War II, yeah. the World War II um, <laughs> conscription stuff that the US did, mixed with the industrial style of the Soviets. They're basically right smacking between those two, if you look at them, that's what they're based on. This whole idea that the entire planet is militarized. You're either military or you live to service the military. Okay, okay. so yeah, Katie and Mortar Squad. There you go, yeah. Yeah. Katie, Cardia, you know what, never got that one clarified. Yeah, Soldier, Katie. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean that's, it, it, it's, it's great... Seeing some of these cards and seeing, uh, and it has a keyword of Katie on it. So who knows how that's gonna, how that's gonna play into the game. You later, you've already seen some of us already. We've got Katachan. Katachan is a death world where, um, where it's Katachan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, again, Katachan, never Katachan. had that one clarified. Yeah. yeah, I go Katachan, but there you go. Um, it's it's a death world. I refer to that because the entire biology of the planet is lethal. Mm-hmm. Everything on it is trying to eat and kill everything else. It's wow. toxic areas. The whole thing is insanely dangerous. Right. So the people that live there are a kind of extreme version of the the Viet Cong. They know where all the how, what all the flora and fauna is going to do. They can track through it. You've got the Mordian in there, which are the um, the uh, the death guy. I want to say something like that. Um, they're the extremes of discipline. All the guys work in like perfect unison. Or um, you know, they're the how can I do like that? So yeah, there's, there's tons of different background things scattered throughout that you that it's it's, it's fun to see someone spot and go like, hey, you know, I'm seeing yeah. this pop up. You yeah, know. that's cool. Okay, so as a reminder, we have a few announcements. Um, there will be store championships at Petri's Family Games in Colorado Springs on February 28th. That's a Saturday. Uh, the very following Sunday at Wizards Chess in Denver on March 1st, they'll be holding their Conquest Store Championships. Gamers Haven in Colorado Springs will also be holding theirs on March 21st. Uh, John and I, um, we will be at the Conclave of Gamers, and maybe even Carl will be at the Conclave of Gamers on April 16th and 19th in Denver, where we hope to hold the Conquest League. It's open gaming, so even if you're brand new to Conquest, come. It's I, I guarantee you will have a great time. If you if you were at all any, if you play board games, I mean they have RPGs. I don't know how many people play RPGs, how well attended that is, because RPGs tend to be longer form games, but I tell you, whoo, they're, they're doing a D&D, they're doing a long D&D, a Conley long D&D uh, campaign. Okay. I know that, I know that. They just announced that, actually. Um, and then we'll also be at Gen Con. I'm going to cut in. I am going to try and come down for that. And yeah, new players, come on down. I can guarantee I probably won't have tested my decks by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is, well, you won't have tested your decks in two months? I know myself. <laughs> I know myself. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Thanks to Team Covenant for hosting this Warcast and to Haunted Game Cafe for the recording space. If you would like to join the discussion, have ideas for future episodes, feedback, or questions for us, you can contact us at TraxisSectorWarcast at gmail.com. TraxisSectorWarcast at gmail.com via our Facebook page or Twitter, or leave a comment in the episode's comment section. Thanks for listening. The The Emperor Emperor Protects. Protects. That's horrible. Like, I want to close. Like, they're a viewer. Do do another section. I mean.